section sixty one of italy france spain and portugal this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume five italy france spain and portugal edited by eva march tappan section sixty one the death of louis fourteen seventeen hundred and fifteen by julia pardo louis fourteen reigned for seventy-two years under his rule france rose to her zenith not only in political influence but in literature and culture as well but this outward prosperity was purchased at a terrible cost at his death france was virtually bankrupt and already enmeshed in the difficulties that led at length to the revolution the editor the scene was a touching one the grey-haired king half lying half sitting in his gorgeous bed whose velvet hangings looped back with their heavy ropes and tassels of gold were the laborious offerings of the pupils of saint cyr and were wrought with threads of gold and silver and party-coloured silks representing in a singular and incongruous mixture the principal passages of the scriptures interspersed with the less holy incidents of the heathen mythology the groups of princes and their gorgeous costumes dispersed over the vast apartment the door opening from the cabinet thronged with courtiers and ladies and finally the court functionaries who had simultaneously sunk upon their knees as they approached the dying monarch the gilded cornices the priceless the tapestried hangings the richly carpeted floor the waste of luxury on every side the pride of man's intellect and of man's strength and in the midst decay and death a palsied hand and a dimmed eye the most stoical were moved at such a moment and even when the attendant gentlemen had risen slowly and in silence and disappeared across the threshold like a procession of shadows the stillness of the death-room continued for a time unbroken it was the voice of the king by which it was at length dispelled he first informed the marshal de villois that he had appointed him governor to the dauphin and then desired that duchess de ventadour would introduce the child who was soon to become his successor and the little prince had no sooner knelt upon the cushion which had been placed for him near the side of the bed still holding the hand of his gouvernement firmly grasped in his own than the monarch after gazing upon him for a time with an expression of mingled anxiety and tenderness said in an impressive voice my child you are about to become a great king do not imitate me either in my taste for building or in my love of war endeavour on the contrary to live in peace with the neighbouring nations render to god all that you owe him and cause his name to be honoured by your subjects strive to relieve the burdens of your people in which i have been unfortunate enough to fail and never forget the gratitude that you owe to madame de ventadour madame he continued addressing himself to the duchess permit me to embrace the prince the dauphin was lifted into his arms and after he had clasped him fondly to his breast he said 
in a less steady voice i bless you dear child with all my heart this done madame de ventadour was about to reclaim her charge but the king did not relax his hold until raising his eyes to heaven he had repeated his solemn benediction on the twenty seventh the king having commanded all the great dignitaries and officers of the household to meet in his apartment addressed them in a firm voice in the presence of madame de maintenon and his confessor saying gentlemen i die in the faith and obedience of the church i know nothing of the dogmas by which it is divided i have followed the advice that i received and have done only what i was desired to do if i have erred my guides alone must answer before god whom i call upon to witness this assertion toward the afternoon louis fourteen next desired the attendance of the chancellor to whom he delivered a casket filled with papers a portion of which he instructed him to burn giving distinct instructions for the disposal of the remainder and in the course of the evening he sent for m de pontchartrain who still acted as one of the secretaries of state and when he appeared said calmly so soon as i am dead you will be good enough to issue an order that my heart may be conveyed to the church of the jesuits in paris and cause it to be placed there in precisely the same manner as that of my deceased father then after a pause he continued in a tone of equal placidity when i shall have breathed my last and my death has been announced according to custom from the balcony of the state apartment conduct the king to vincennes but as it strikes me that cavois has never regulated the distribution of the rooms in that castle where the court have not resided for the last fifty years in the casket and as he spoke the dying monarch indicated one with his finger you will find a plan of the apartments of vincennes take it and carry it to the grand marshal of the palace in order that it may assist him in his arrangements the night which succeeded was restless and agitated and was entirely passed by the monarch in prayer and on the morning of the twenty eighth immediately that he awoke the physicians proposed to amputate the leg in which mortification had commenced will the operation prolong my life was the composed inquiry yes sire replied the head surgeon certainly for several days and perhaps even for several weeks if that be all said louis fourteen the result would not be adequate to the suffering god's will be done on the morning of the thirtieth the strength of the king was nearly exhausted all is well nigh over he said feebly to the marshal de villeroy who stood at his bedside farewell my friend we must soon part the courage of the dying monarch never forsook him for an instant neither did he exhibit the slightest emotion he took leave of every member of his family with a dry eye and a steady voice merely exhorting them to live if possible on terms of friendship to do their duty to the young king and to conduct themselves in a christian spirit nor was it until the princes and princesses had withdrawn that he at length betrayed a slight degree of feeling as he turned toward madame de maintenon saying at this moment i only regret yourself i have not made you happy but i have ever felt for you all the regard and affection which you deserved my only consolation in leaving you he added as he grasped her hand and gazed fixedly 
upon her with his dim and failing eyes exists in the hope that we shall ere long meet again in eternity madame de maintenon made no rejoinder but she soon after rose to leave the apartment and as she crossed the threshold exclaimed as if unconsciously a pretty rendezvous he has given me that man has never loved any one but himself and this equally imprudent and ill-timed ejaculation was overheard by the king's apothecary by whom it was repeated as she retired the king saw in an opposite mirror the reflection of two of his valets de chambre who were weeping bitterly why do you shed tears he asked did you then imagine that i was immortal as for myself i never believed that such was the case and you should have been prepared at my age to lose me long ago after a time the king exhibited extreme uneasiness at the absence of madame de maintenon who believing that all would shortly be over had already departed for saint-cyr but having been informed that her presence was required she excused herself when she reappeared by stating that she had been uniting her prayers for his recovery with those of her pupils the following day was one of agony to the expiring king his intervals of consciousness were rare and brief the mortification extended rapidly and toward midday his condition became so much exasperated that it was found necessary to perform the service for the dying without delay the mournful ceremony aroused him from his lethargy and the surprise was general when his voice was once more heard audibly and clearly combined with those of the priests at the termination of the prayers he moreover recognized the cardinal de rohan and said calmly these are the last favors of the church he then repeated several times nunc et in hora mortis and finally he exclaimed with earnest fervor o my god come to my aid and hasten to help me he never spoke again for as these words escaped him he once more fell back insensible upon his pillow and throughout the night continued unconscious of everything save bodily suffering at eight o'clock on the following morning louis fourteen expired as he exhaled his last sigh a man was seen to approach the window of the state apartment which opened on the great balcony and throw it suddenly back it was the captain of the bodyguard who had no sooner attracted the attention of the populace by whom the courtyard was thronged in expectation of the tidings which they knew could not be long delayed than raising his truncheon above his head he broke it in the centre and throwing the pieces among the crowd exclaimed in a loud voice the king is dead then seizing another staff from an attendant without the pause of an instant he flourished it in the air as he shouted long live the king and a multitudinous echo from the depths of the lately deserted apartment answered as buoyantly long live the king End of section 61. This recording is in the public domain.